National League Championship. They have beaten the Padres 4-3, and they celebrate on their home turf as the Phillies of the 2022 NL Champs. From WHYY and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolness. From the Good Fight and Billy Penn, Phillies win an incredible Game 1 in their National League Division Series against the Braves. 3 to nothing, shutting out the best offense maybe in baseball history and doing it in a really unorthodox way. Uh, but this is your recap episode for Game 1 of the NLDS. But before we we jump into uh, to the, the podcast here, I just want to make you aware we are going to be doing another WHYY Billy Penn tailgate ahead of Game 3 of the NLDS between the Phillies and the Braves. Of course, the start time uh, is a little after 5 o'clock Eastern time, Philadelphia time, on Wednesday night. And so myself, Justin, and Liz will be out at the Jethro lot like we were uh, earlier this season just to kind of hang out with everybody who's going to the game. Uh, to uh, we'll, have some, we'll have some free drinks. We'll have some free food there for everybody to uh, to take part in. And um, uh, I'm not sure the start time just yet. We'll have some more details on that as, uh, as the week rolls along. But uh, I want you to keep an eye out for us over at the Jethro lot ahead of game three of the NLDS. Uh, we're going to put on a, a fun little party for everybody. Uh, hopefully as we, uh, as the Phillies will uh, look to close the series out uh, against the Braves in game three of the NLDS. But yeah, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, we'll be out there for another meet and greet for another tailgate. So uh, we will hope to see you all there. And, you know, hopefully, you know, if you're there and you want to chat with us, so we'll get you on the podcast as well. What a night in Atlanta for the Phillies, who are just absolutely on a roll, playing a Braves team that looked like their week-long layoff hurt them a little bit. They just came out looking a little flat. This offense, which set all kinds of records, led the majors in runs and home runs and slugged over 500 as a team, which is just, that's just, it shouldn't be possible that a team as a whole can slug over 500. I mean, you're an all-star if you have a 500 slugging percentage or better during the course of a full season. And that's what their whole team was. Their whole team were all was essentially a collection of all-stars. And yet, and yet, here on Saturday night, the Phillies shut out the Braves three to nothing to take that all-important first game. The game none of us really thought that the Phillies, I don't think, had a had a really good chance of beating Spencer Strider and taking Game One against the Braves. Here, this was the game you figured they were probably going to lose if they were going to lose one of these two games here in Atlanta or at some point in the series. But the Phillies surprise everybody, allowing just five singles against the Atlanta Braves, this slugging behemoth to win three to nothing. The Phillies have now won 14 out of their last 15 game ones here in postseason play. What a, what a night in Atlanta. So the poor Atlanta fans, so distraught. I mean, reduced to throwing trash on the field. Where can't I cannot believe as I clutched my pearls that this happened in Atlanta. Never and you could never imagine it happening in a place like Atlanta, and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, when when Atlanta fans don't like a, an umpire's uh, decision or in this play in this case a, a replay official's decision, apparently we have decided that it's that it's cool beans to to throw stuff on the field. Good stuff. I wonder I wonder how much of it, how much attention that will get by the national media. Um because of course if we knew that happened in Citizens Bank Park what would happen? But the Phillies shut out the Braves first time all year. Atlanta was shut out at home. It's the first time they had been shut out at home since August 28th of 2021, the first time they were shut out at all in 125 games. And now the pressure 
If it wasn't already more on the Braves, who won 104 games, are trying to get revenge on the Phillies for their loss in this very round last year when the Phillies went into Atlanta last year in game one with Ranger Suarez on the mound and took that first game and then went on to win the NLDS in four games, trying to trying to to right that ship, to right that wrong that they saw. And then they come out and they lose game one here in Atlanta with their best and healthiest starting pitcher on the mound, giving them everything they could have asked for. But the bats inexplicably go silent against Ranger Suarez, who uh, Rob Thompson removes before the end of the fourth inning. We're going to talk about that decision and uh, the ramifications of that and and what happened. And, And a parade of relievers shutting this baseball team out. And so, yes, the pressure now squarely on Atlanta's shoulders. I was listening to some comments from Sean Murphy, their all-star catcher after the game. And man, it's it's a down locker room. And, and you can just sense as the game was rolling along, these guys were starting to starting to feel it. The, 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 the silence in the stadium as the Atlanta as the Atlanta Braves struggled to hit and wasted the few opportunities they had with runners in scoring position, Phillies relievers getting absolutely huge outs in high leverage situations throughout the game. This bullpen that I don't think any of us had a whole lot of confidence in heading into the playoffs was unbelievable in this one. So yes, the pressure on the Braves, the odds of winning this series now, Swings in the Phillies' favor dramatically because even if you lose game two with Zach Wheeler on the mound, mind you, against Max Freed, a pitcher who went on the injured list about a week and a half before the end of the regular season with blisters on his finger, on his pitching fingers, or on one of his pitching fingers, hasn't pitched in a game since then. Now he's going to try and ramp it up for game two against Zach Wheeler in a game the Braves absolutely have to win. They absolutely have to win, and they got to try and do it against Zach Wheeler with Max Fried on the mound, who, again, we just don't know exactly how his fingers are going to hold up. And and given Spencer Strider's history against this team, and I wrote an article for The Good Fight about this back in September, and I've talked about it on the podcast numerous times. It's on my timeline right now. I, I retweeted it before the game. Maybe a little bit of a of a little bit of a, a jinx try there um, on on Spencer Strider didn't really work because Strider is still shoved in this game and there's no doubt about the fact the Phillies Alec Bohm in particular but most of the right-handers in that lineup didn't have any idea what to do with Spencer Strider's stuff I do believe at some at some point someday they're gonna figure that guy out but it's not it hasn't happened yet and no pitcher in the last century has been more dominant against the Phillies than Spencer Strider has but they got to him just enough in this game and i really do think that the layoff hurt atlanta you know you you go roll they didn't have a great september either simply because they didn't have anything to play for down the stretch and i think that factored into it the phillies even though they finished 14 games behind the braves they may have been in the sweetest of sweet spots, when you consider they still had motivation up until like the last four or five days of the season. And then they were able to take their foot off the gas a little bit, get the guys the rest that they needed. They were still playing hard, still winning ball games in, the, in those final few days too, which was kind of cool to see. Just realize, made you realize that they, they weren't going to rest on their laurels. And then they had a couple days off and then they get a couple of home games against the Marlins. It was almost like the perfect tune-up. Like, you know, Zach Wheeler comes out, Aaron Nola comes out, they shove. 
You, do, you don't need very much from the bullpen, but in the few innings that they give you, they look amazing. Orion Kirkering gets his feet wet in that wildcard series against the Marlins. Gregory Soto gets to feel good about himself closing out the game to win. And the offense is giving you these moments and just helping to build their own confidence by dominating that series. But it wasn't too much. And then they get a couple of days off. Everybody gets to rest again. Meanwhile, the Braves are just sitting there trying to play intra-squad games, trying to get, trying to stay sharp. You know, I think at the end of the day, You'd rather your team win the division and skip the wild card round. But I think as we're looking at the way things have played out so far, the Phillies were able to roll from pretty close to the end of the regular season, giving themselves kind of just enough rest to get themselves ready for the playoffs and get everything set up. They they exert themselves. They get just the right amount of competition in the wild card round to, to keep things rolling, to keep the momentum going. They get a couple days off, and now they roll into Atlanta, and they keep that momentum going. This There's something special about this baseball team. This baseball team makes plays when they have to. They make plays when the other team doesn't. They come through in moments where the other team doesn't, and they have Clutch players, specifically Bryce Harper, who we're going to talk about more in just a second, who find a way to make the big moment happen. It's just amazing. Now, this is a Rob Thompson game. Rob Thompson managed an unorthodox game in this one, and the reason it worked out was because the players executed, because his pitchers, his relievers threw strikes, the defense behind him, especially the Trey Turner Double play made the plays behind those pitchers, but really these guys made quality pitches in big spots and that made Rob Thompson look smart. We saw that last year in the playoffs when he pulled starters early and he brought in Jose Alvarado early in game one of the World Series. When Alvarado got out of those innings and the Phillies went on to win that game in 10 innings, Rob Thompson looked real smart. Thompson tried doing the same thing in game, in game six, pulling Wheeler early. Alvarado gives up the three-run home run to Jordan Alvarez. All of a sudden, Rob Thompson doesn't look so smart in that moment. The players so often can make the manager look smart. And in game one against the Braves, the bullpen went the final, what was it, uh, six and a third innings in order to lock this one down, giving up nothing to the Atlanta Braves. I mean, just think about that. You had Jeff Hoffman come in for, for Ranger Suarez after Ranger was just mowing guys down retiring 10 of the first 11 batters that he faced. And he got the first two outs in the fourth inning, got Acuna to ground out, got Austin Riley to line out, but then he gives up a single to Matt Olson on a grounder. And then he should have been out of the inning uh, when Ozzie Albies hit a ground ball to uh, to Trey Turner, but Turner was just late getting the ball over to Bryson Stott for the fourth out at second base. Um, uh, Matt Olson beat out, the, beat out the throw, and all of a sudden now here comes Jeff Hoffman because he did not want... Ranger Suarez to face Marcel Ozuna with two runners on there. He And we knew that Rob Thompson was going to be aggressive in using his bullpen. We, we had heard that he might only let Ranger Suarez go one time through the lineup. As it turns out, he went one time through the lineup plus, um, plus a couple other guys, plus four other guys. And that's when he decided that was enough. In a regular season game, he never takes Ranger Suarez out of that game there. And I still think he took him out too early. I, I probably would have left Ranger in. Um... I think Ranger was really pitching effectively. He was using both sides of the plate. Really, Atlanta was having all kinds of problems squaring him up, but all it takes is one pitch. And we all know Marcelo Zuna kills left-handed pitchers, and this is a spot where he wanted to go to Jeff Hoffman, who I think is his most trusted right-handed reliever outside of Craig Kimbrell right now. And Jeff Hoffman gets that. Uh, first of all, he walks Marcelo Zuna, so uh, pulling Ranger Suarez so that Hoffman could go righty on righty there 
that doesn't really work. Kaufman walked Marcelo Zuna. It was a good, good at bat. He threw a lot of quality pitches. It was a good at bat by Ozuna. But then he strikes out Michael Harris swinging as the Phillies uh, maintained their one nothing lead. And then after that, it was it was the parade of relievers. Uh, you had um, Sir Anthony Dominguez came in to pitch the fifth inning, and he made some absolutely monster pitches in that fifth. Um, he gave up a couple of singles, a really bad, um, there was a, one really bad hit uh, that he gave up in that inning with Orlando Arcia on first base and one out. He had Eddie Rosario as a, come up as a pinch hitter. He had him 0-2 and then threw a fastball right down the middle that Rosario singled into right field. So uh, you've got Atlanta runners on first and third with one out. Ronald Acuna coming to the plate. Uh, the Phillies clinging to this one nothing lead that Bryson Stott had given them with an RBI single. We're going to get to that in just a second as well. Um, but Sir Anthony Dominguez dialed back the clock to last year and started throwing 98, 99 miles an hour. He gets Ronald Acuna on an absolutely unhittable and gorgeous inside fastball for strike three. Ronald Acuna, all he needed to do was hit a ball into the outfield to tie the game, but um, Acuna strikes out, and then he gets Austin Riley striking out swinging uh, to maintain the one nothing lead. Jose Alvarado comes in to replace Sir Anthony Dominguez, and it was a pretty easy inning for Alvarado there uh, in the sixth. Gave up a, a single to Ozzy Albies, but um, uh, also got Matt Olson, Marcelo Zuna, and Michael Harris to to, to retire the side. And then uh, in the seventh inning, you had Orion Kirkering come into the game. And what a spot for the rookie, right? I mean, we knew that he was going to pitch in the series because Atlanta has never seen him before. His stuff is pretty incredible. Uh, but this is quite the spot to throw a rookie into the mix. You're leading two to nothing against the best hitting team we have seen in decades, maybe the best hitting team in baseball history in a spot where the Braves absolutely, now it's the bottom of the order, but there is no bottom of the order with the Braves. You're, fan, you're, you're facing Arcia, Sean Murphy, and Eddie Rosario, but he needed, I think, just eight pitches to get, the, to get through those three guys. Just an absolutely incredible outing by the rookie. And it really says something to you there about the trust level, obviously, that Rob Thompson has. He probably would have preferred to use Jeff Hoffman and Sir Anthony Dominguez in that spot. They pulled Ranger Suarez so early that he used all his really good late inning high leverage relievers earlier in the game than I think anybody thought that he would. And so now you're wondering, who's he going to use here to get these last to get the the six of the final nine outs in the in the seventh and eighth innings. Well, we found out it was Orion Kirkery. He had enough confidence in this young kid to bring him in and get three huge outs with a two-run lead. It's not like the lead was 5 nothing, and you're bringing Kirkering in here. I mean, there was very little margin for error, and he just came in, that adrenaline pumping, and retired the Braves 1-2-3, and it looked as easy as can be, so much to the point where they brought him back out to start the eighth inning. Then he walks Acuna Jr. on four pitches. And at that point, Rob Thompson says, okay, I'm not going to press my luck anymore here. Uh, you know, a wraparound inning, as we've seen with relievers, is always tough. It's always tough to ask your guys to go get those three outs or get an out. You're all pumped up. You go, you sit in the dugout for a while. And the Phillies had a long top of the eighth inning uh, with uh, when they scored their third run. Um it was a long time for him to be sitting, and then he came out, and you could tell he just kind of lost his edge, and Rob Thompson says, let's let's not fiddle around here. He went out and he got Matt Strom. Strom gave up an RB, I mean, gave up a single to Austin Riley. Two runners on, nobody out. Oh, boy, here we go again. Uh, and then the play of the game. After Matt Olson flies out on a ball that I thought was a home run, I thought Olson got it all. I really did. The way he looked at the plate after he swung there, certain times when Kyle Schwarber hits a home run, and you're not sure for a split second. He hits it, and you're like, is that going to go? And then you see his reaction. 
If you look at the hitter, sometimes the hitter will tell you, yeah, I got all of that. I thought for a minute Matt Olson was giving us that look, that he got it all. But he didn't quite get it all. He, he, he was about, he just to the rim of the warning track. He obviously got it on the inside part of the bat a little bit. And then Ozzy Albies comes in, uh, comes up to the plate with, again, with runners on first and third, one out, Atlanta trailing three to nothing. And he makes the play of the season so far. The best defensive play maybe in Philly's postseason history. That double play that ends the inning, and that essentially ended the game because Craig Kimbrell came in and was electric. Really, the best I've seen Craig Kimbrell look in quite some time. One, two, three, Ozuna, Harris, Arcia, and the Braves were all done. But that let's talk about that Trey Turner play because that's going to be the play of game one. That's going to be, usually in all of these playoff games, there's one moment that you remember. I think Justin and Liz were talking about this uh, in the preview episode that came out on Friday. There's usually one play you remember or one moment that you remember from each one of these games. In game one of the wildcard series, it was Bryce Harper, I think, running through the stop sign, right? Flipping off the helmet and running right through Dusty Wathen's stop sign. That was the, that was the memorable moment in game one. I mean, because when Zach Wheeler was pitching like he was pitching, there's no one moment from Zach Wheeler's start where you're like, oh yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna sit in my memory banks forever. He was just great from start to finish. Same thing with Aranola in game two. There wasn't any one moment in Aranola's start where you're just like, whoa, that was amazing. I'm gonna remember that forever. He was just consistently great from beginning to end. But in game two, the Bryson Stott Grand Slam is obviously an iconic moment now in Philly's history. This play would I, that I still do believe, and I had some people on Twitter telling me, no, it was the Utley play in 2008 where he threw out the runner at home. Great heads up play, but that was a, that was a mental defensive play that was off the charts. But it wasn't, it wasn't a difficult defensive play. Right, it was a heads-up play, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't like this unbelievably athletic, take your breath away play. Now, certainly higher stakes with Utley's play throughout the tying run at the plate in Game Five and, and of the game in which the Phillies won the World Series. I so I'll grant you that. If you want to have that play above the Trey Turner double play, I think that you know can't argue with that at all. I don't. I don't think I would put it above there. A lot of people were talking about the the Bob Boone dropped foul pop that Rose caught, Pete Rose caught out of the air. Great play, a fluky play, right place, right time play. Again, not not a not a, a play where there's a lot of athletic skill involved there. You're just kind of you're hustling. That's a hustle play. Right? So you've got you've got the mental defensive play of Utley, you've got the hustle play of of Bob Boone and Pete Rose. Um there's some other plays. Milt Thompson had that amazing catch in the nineteen ninety-three National League Championship series, and I think it was a game four, um, where Mark Lemke uh, hit a ball to deep left field with runners on. Phillies were clinging to a two to one lead, Mitch Williams on in the eighth inning, and he makes an unbelievable jumping play at the fence. You could argue that that one might have been better. And I, I think maybe I could give you that one too. Um simply because of the moment. It was a very similar type of moment, big stakes, and he made an unbelievable jumping play. I think the Trey Turner play was still a little bit more difficult. And there have been others. You know, Nick Castellanos uh, saving uh, the winning run from scoring in game one of the World Series last year with that sliding catch in right field. You could argue that one was better than this one. And and I certainly think, you know, I certainly think there's going to be a list coming uh, on a Good Fight article from me this week, uh, taking a look at the best defensive plays 
in uh, Philly's playoff history. But that Trey Turner moment is going to be the moment that we remember from game one of this National League Division Series. Watching him freak out at shortstop after Stott makes the turn and throws to first. Harper pumping his fist as he catches the ball. Uh, You've got Trey Turner pumping his fist and raising his arms up in the air. Everybody going crazy. Brandon Marsh sprinting in from left field to slap him. Uh, Alec Bohm just going crazy. The entire bench going crazy. And the silence from the crowd. If you haven't heard, by the way, Nick Picone, who is just, he's he's a Twitter treasure. Um, Please follow him on on Twitter, Nick Picone. Nick Pacone, because he he puts together videos of like the opposing team's uh, radio calls and stuff like that. And just first of all, the Phillies radio call of Tom McCarthy, um, pardon me, of, uh, of uh, Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson and Kevin Stocker making that call is just unbelievably great. And then you have the reverse side of that, the dejected call of the Braves radio broadcast. Um, you could just tell the wind totally came out of their sails. And you wonder about a moment like that, what that means for these next few games, because like we said, the Atlanta has to win game two. If they go into Philadelphia down 0-2 with games three and four in red October with the best home field advantage in baseball, they're not winning two games in Philadelphia. And they know that. They know that. So you just wonder how demoralizing this game one was for them because it totally took the took the crowd out of it. It took the players out of it, and you gotta you you know that the pressure is now on squarely on Atlanta's shoulders, and especially after that defensive play, you gotta they gotta be looking at themselves like, what do we have to do? I mean, that was just that was just unbelievable. And I also want to credit Bryson Stott on the pivot because when Trey Turner made that play, I thought, okay, they're just gonna get one. It's going to be three to one Phillies. We're, we're, we're okay. But Stott makes that turn. And I, I could tell that, um, uh, that, uh, Ozuna didn't get out of the box fast enough. Oh no, pardon me. Al- Albies didn't get out of the box. fast. I mean, he wasn't cause he was lazy, but Albies didn't get out of the box quite as quickly as I think he would have liked to. And Stott had time to make that turn and just a real whipshaw sidearm throw to first base to get him by a step. It was it was a great turn by Stott, too. And so it takes two to make a double play. And it was very reminiscent of the play in 2008 um, where where you had Jimmy Rollins dive in the hole on, on the uh, on the forehand, um, flip the ball backhanded to Chase Utley, who threw to Ryan Howard to, to get Ryan Zimmerman on the ground ball double play up the middle. Remember that play? It, was, it still goes down as one of the great defensive plays in Philly's regular season history. This play very much like that. This ball was hit harder. It was a it was a one hopper that Trey Turner snagged out of the air, full out, full extension dive. I mean, just just an unreal defensive play and he is having himself a heck of a postseason so far is he not he was all over the place in the wild card round and in game one here stole stole two bases stole second and third in the eighth inning as he was trying to get on into scoring position so the Phillies could tack on an insurance run uh, I think stole stole did he steal three bases on the day as a whole I mean just an incredible start to this postseason from a guy again the ovation worked <laughs> <laughs> the only thing you can say is is the ovation worked. I mean, it's um, what he has done since since that ovation is is pretty amazing. And he only had two steals on the day, but the Phillies as a whole uh, stole five bases, and they were they were caught stealing once. Matter of fact, Real Muto caught stealing early in the game. He got caught stealing before any of the Phillies players got any of their stolen bases. Their five steals set a new postseason single-game record for the Phils. They were running all over Atlanta, putting themselves into scoring position, and they knew they had to do that against Strider. 
because Strider was not going to give up. Hit, hit, hit. They were going to need to put themselves into scoring positions so that productive outs could score runs. Now, they didn't have any of those in this game because Spencer Strider was awesome. Seven innings, five hits, two runs, one earned, eight strikeouts. Um, did you see how heated he got at Rick Kranitz about getting taken out of the game after the seventh inning? He wanted to stay in. Frankly, I was thrilled that they took him out. He probably could have gone the full nine. The Phillies still wouldn't have been able to touch him much more than they did. I mean, they did get a couple of runs. They scratched out a couple of runs off him, but that that was those were not happy times. Spencer Strider going after Rick Kranitz in the dugout like that. That's um that's not happy fun time baseball. And you know that Ranger Suarez was not happy about coming out of that game when he did. He was he did not have a happy face in the dugout, but it's a lot easier to take when it all works out, when, when your team gets the W, and Ranger Suarez will have a chance to make a big impact in this postseason, again, moving forward. But uh, again, a, a very aggressively managed game by Rob Thompson and the bullpen. All those guys made it look good. They made him look smart. Let's talk about the offense real quick. Bryson Stott continues his hot postseason. Two for three with an RBI single. Got the Phillies on the board. Very similar. I mean, it, it really is weird how sometimes life repeats itself and sports repeats itself. Weird moment in this game where after a Bryce Harper walk, just like in game three of the division series last year with Spencer Strider on the mound and Brandon Marsh drew a walk, Spencer Strider tries to throw, uh, throws a pickoff throw over to first base. In 2022, it bounced past Matt Olson, went into foul territory. Brandon Marsh made it all the way to, all the way to third base with one out. Here, um, he threw it over Matt Olson's head into the stands, and Bryce Harper was awarded second base. So now you've got a runner in scoring position with two outs, and Bryson Stott is at the plate. This pickoff happened when Bryson Stott was down 0-2 in the count. Like, what what are you doing? Just go after the just go after the hitter, man. And and Bryson Stott, as he has done all year, he has more two out hits than any player in baseball. Laces an RBI single to left field and gets the Phillies on the board 1-0 against Spencer Strider, exactly like he did in 2022 when he laced an RBI double down the right field line to put the Phillies on top 1-0. Eerie similarities between in, in those moments with, with the errant pickoff throw, with, with Stott at the plate, and then Stott delivering uh, the first run of the game. And it, when it seemed like it was going to be nearly impossible for the Phillies to get anything on the board against Strider. And then Bryce Harper had a monster game one. Two for two with a single and two walks. And of course, that solo home run in the sixth inning. It was the second straight game Harper has hit a home run off Spencer Strider. In, the, in one of the games, the, the game the Phillies lost in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. In the series, the Phillies took two out of three. The one game they lost was to Strider. And Strider was up seven to nothing. I think it was in the sixth inning. And Harper connected for a three-run home run off him to make it seven to three. It didn't really matter in terms of the score, but Harper got him in his book. And he got him in his book again here in the sixth inning. And it was a run that really, really mattered. 115 miles an hour off the bat from Bryce Harper. The hardest ball Strider has ever allowed hit against him. And when you think about Bryce Harper, he just continues to do it. Every postseason series, he does something like this. Jeff Passan of ESPN put it best. He tweeted during the game right after the home run. He said, Bryce Harper is 30 years old. He has now spent half his life squarely in the limelight. 
He is a beloved teammate, a tremendous leader, an elite player, and as clutch as anyone in the game. He is not just everything he was supposed to be. He is more. And that is so true. Truer words were never spoken. How many... How many more moments does Bryce Harper have in him? How I mean, how can how can he keep doing this? I don't I don't I it's there there are there really is no one in baseball right now that does what Bryce Harper does. There are better players than Bryce Harper. But I I will I would venture to say there is not a single player in baseball that any manager or general manager would rather have up at the plate in an important spot than Bryce Harper. Because you know he's going to come through for you most of the time. It's it's really just, it's amazing what we're watching from this guy. And he didn't make much of an impact in the wildcard series. I know Justin and Liz were having some fun with that. And I do agree with them when they were talking about the fact that Bryce Harper sees all his teammates making big impressions and having big moments. And he's like, I got to have one too. I got I got, Let me get in on the act. Well, well, he didn't just get in on the act here in game one. He was a big part of the act, and that home run helped every Phillies fan breathe a little bit because then it was no longer a matter of like, you know, one Acuna swing and we're tied up, or one Matt Olson swing, one Ozuna swing and we're all tied up. A 2 nothing lead just felt it just a little bit of breathing room, just a little bit of breathing room because with this bullpen, this Phillies bullpen, it's what are the odds that they were going to keep the Braves off the board entirely? Slim. 2%, 1%. I mean, nobody had done it at home all year. Nobody had nobody did it last year either. Hadn't been shut out at home since 2021, like I mentioned. And then, of course, in the eighth inning, a really weird inning here. Um, there was uh the bases were loaded. JT Real Muto at the plate. Alec Bohm had a chance to to drive in a run a couple batters before with a runner on third. Uh, this was after uh, Trey Turner. Uh, had hit a single and then stolen second and stolen third. That delayed steal on to second base was was really fun. And then Bryce Harper had a stolen base that inning to get themselves into second and third. Um, but uh, Alec Bohm just uh, could not could not put his bat on the ball in this game. Just to look totally lost in this one. He'll be fine. He'll be back. Just a, a terrible game from from Bohm. But uh, with JT Real Muto at the plate. Bases loaded and two out, not the spot for JT Real Muto. I mean, he's done better late in the season, but still a spot that you worry about with him. But was awarded first base and a run scored on catcher's interference. And when you watched it in real time, JT Real Muto heard it and reacted in real time. It was like, and started pointing at Sean Murphy, Sean Murphy and the catcher's mitt. And Sean Murphy, as the ball was as as the ball was fouled off, pulls his glove back as if the glove had been hit. He knew it. He reacted. He turned around and reacted and was like, oh, no, man. And everybody reacted. Real Muto went to first base, run scored. It's 3-0 Phillies. And then uh, the Braves challenged the challenged the call on the field. And I'm telling you, on those replays, it did not look like JT Real Muto's bat hit Sean Murphy's glove. I don't I don't know what the I don't know what they saw in New York to prevent them from overturning the call. Maybe they felt like they didn't have enough angles to view it properly to say for sure that it didn't happen. And you have to have conclusive evidence in order to overturn the call on the field. At the end of the day, the third run didn't really matter, but it was another huge insurance run for the Phillies in the top of the eighth uh, that turned out to be a big deal because, of course, the the, the, the Braves brought the tying run to the plate in that eighth inning. So that third run certainly felt really big in that moment. Uh, as the Braves were hitting in the bottom of the eighth inning. 
But the fans, obviously upset at the ruling, at the, at the Braves not having scored any runs, uh, with apparently a very short fuse, throwing bottles and cans of beer and soda onto the field. They did this back in the against the Cardinals in the playoffs with that, I forget what year it was, but it was that uh, ridiculous infield fly rule that was called in shallow left field that took runs off the board. I mean, that was a, that was a more egregious call. Still, it's never an excuse to throw beverages onto the field. And if, again, if that had happened in Philadelphia, you'd get the Santa Claus stuff, you'd get the batteries, the J.D. Drew stuff. We're not that fan base anymore. We're just not. We're not that fan base anymore. I don't think you see these ridiculous fights, even at Eagles games anymore. It doesn't seem like you see these kinds of, these fights that you see in other stadiums and other ballparks. You're not going to see Philly fans throw stuff on the field. I can't remember the last time anything like that ever happened. I mean, yes, Back in the, the bad old days at the vet, that kind of stuff happened a lot. But it hasn't happened, really, since these teams have moved into their new stadiums. They're not new anymore. So it's just, it was, it was a pathetic display from, from Atlanta fans, of course. It was, it was a classless display. And, of course, if it happened in Philadelphia, we would, we would probably be hearing about it. But I imagine we'll be hearing about it because this is the second time it's happened in Atlanta. And just, you just can't do that. You just can't do that. Just, just awful. So the Phillies get that third run and the offense again didn't look great. They missed a, they 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 also left some meat on the bone especially in that first inning when Kyle Schwarber led off the game with a first pitch ringing double to right center field off of Strider and you thought, "Oh boy, are they going to square him up? Are they going to are they going to make some magic happen?" But then Schwarber inexplicably takes off for third on a ground ball hit to the shortstop. Ball's hit in front of him, you know, the cardinal rule is if you can if you can run and make it so that the ball is fielded behind you as opposed to in front of you, you go for it. And I'm sure he wanted to get on third base with less than two outs so that the, the guys behind him could score him with a productive out. But Schwarber was thrown out at third pretty easily. As it turns out, the Phillies did end up getting first and third with one out, but Alec Bohm hit into a double play to end the first and got Strider off the hook. They could have really put some, just like in that that start against uh, Strider at home, um, in uh, the second to, in the, the the first of his two final starts against the Phillies, uh, they had him on the ropes. They think he threw thirty some pitches in that first inning, but then ended up going six or seven in that in that game and um, really mowed the Phillies down after that. So, just a, a weird a weird game uh, offensively for the Phillies here, as they were able to scratch a couple of things out. But just like Atlanta, this was a this was a pitcher's duel, and in Atlanta's case, it was really one guy against the entire Phillies pitching staff. And so the Phillies win this all-important game one in Atlanta. They have a one-game-to-none lead. They need two more to close out the Braves for the second year in a row. The script looking exactly like last year, although now last year Zach Wheeler lost to Kyle Wright in game two. Uh, Kyle Wright and the Braves shut out the Phillies three to nothing. Kyle Wright is not on the Braves roster now. You have Max Fried taking the ball in game two, we don't know how his blister is going to look. We don't know how it's going to feel. We don't know how long he's going to go. I would bet Max Fried will be probably close to probably 80% of his normal self, 80-85% of his normal self. I don't think the Phillies should be thinking they're going to be able to take advantage of a weakened pitcher. Last year in the playoffs in game one of the NLDS, Freed was coming off an illness. He was not at 100%. He was not at full strength, but he's not at full strength now. He's had a lot of time to rest. He's had a lot of time to to kind of think about things. Um, this Phillies team is rolling right now. And you wonder what this loss does to Atlanta mentally, knowing that they have, they're going to have to win a game in Philadelphia to get this thing back to Atlanta. 
and knowing that that crowd in Philadelphia is going to make it it's going to be nightmarish and they might not even win game two. The way Zach Wheeler threw in that wild card game, game one, it's going to be very difficult for a team, even as good as the Braves are to square up Zach Wheeler. Now, Zach Wheeler has had games where he does get hit around this year, but it, if he throws anything like he did in the wild card round, you've got to love the Phillies chances of winning game two and then, and then coming back to Philadelphia on Wednesday with a chance to complete uh, a sweep uh, of this team, or at least win it in four like they did last year. So um, it, it, they winning game one here was not a surprise because the way the Phillies have played, it shouldn't surprise us at all when they win. But it was more than I think we thought we were going to get. And it's a huge moment. You, you, can't, you can't put into words the momentum swing here. You know, this is a Braves team that finished with 14 more wins than the Phillies. And now they're staring down the battle that the barrel of exiting in the first round again to this Phillies team, a team that they outclassed during the course of the regular season, but it doesn't matter. All those things don't matter. As we've said before, as we've talked about before, it's a new season in October and the Phillies are playing as well. And they have just as much talent as the Braves do. They have a deeper pitching staff than the Braves do. And as we've seen in the playoffs, pitching matters more than hitting. And then in game one, that certainly that certainly rang true. So you have in game two, Zach Wheeler against Max Fried. We'll see exactly what we get from Max Fried. Uh, same start time, 6.05 on Monday night in Atlanta. It's stupid that they're not playing on Sunday. It is stupid they're not playing tomorrow, as I'm recording this late here on Saturday night. But it will give the Phillies' entire bullpen a chance to rest. And, you know, when we're looking at this bullpen, the bullpen that we felt very uneasy about, I remember last year— the bullpen, once you get into the playoffs, you have more off days built in. All these guys get a chance to reset and reload more often than you do during a regular season. And the adrenaline going through these guys, again, Sir Anthony Dominguez looked reborn, 98, 99 miles an hour. That's the guy we know. That's the Sir Anthony we know. And they have a lot of hard throwers. They've got a lot of bat missers. This bullpen is better than last year's bullpen. They're looking like the unit we thought we were going to see right now. What a game, what a game from the bullpen. And I also want to give credit to Ranger Suarez, who really pitched great. Again, I think he probably should have stayed in longer. He pitched great in this game. And I think should have been allowed to kind of maybe work out of things a little bit there in the fourth inning. But at the end of the day, Rob Thompson pulled the right levers, pushed the right buttons, and it all worked out in a 3-0 Phillies victory here in game one. Really quickly, um, what else happened uh, on Saturday in these other game ones? Uh, first game of the day, the Rangers beat the Orioles 3-2, and the uh, game didn't have a whole lot of excitement to it, but uh, the O's had, were, were talking about trying to match the, the, the Citizens Bank Park energy, and they did a pretty good job, but uh, the Rangers just kind of were in control of that game most of the way. Astros beat the Twins 6-4. to This is a mismatch. The, the, the Astros are probably going to sweep this series. I like the Twins a lot. They actually have a pretty good team, but Jordan Alvarez hit two home runs. I just feel like we're on a collision course with the Astros again, man. I, I don't want any part of this team. They really kind of snuck into the playoffs, but um, now that they're there, that that pedigree is, is really something else. Uh, and then uh, the Diamondbacks, as I'm recording this, they went. They scored six runs on Clayton Kershaw in the first inning, nine nothing in the sixth. I mean, they're just blowing the Dodgers' doors off. And the Dodgers have they have pitching issues too. Uh, would not be a surprise at all if the Diamondbacks end up winning that series. So it looks like the two road teams here in the National League are going to take Game One of their National League division series. And uh, we are 
I don't know what we're going to do for these next um, 36 hours, 40 hours, however long it is at when you start listening to this podcast uh, until we see the the Phillies and Braves take the field again. Uh, Zach Zach Wheeler and Max Fried going at it. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a rough time. We're going to have to get through it together. But we can we can be on the internet. We can be watching the highlights and reliving all of the phenomenal moments uh, from this uh, from this incredible game one victory. Phillies three. Braves nothing. Phillies take a commanding, not a commanding, but a, a, a surprising one game to none lead here in this NLDS. And we'll look to put a stranglehold on the series in game two on Monday night. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And I'll be back with Justin and Liz. Um, we'll either be recapping game two or we'll be talking just ahead of game two. Not sure what we're going to do just yet, but uh, either way, lots more Hit and Season coming your way as this Phillies team is absolutely on a roll, kids. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season.